Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but like, does anybody get the feeling that I am like, um, I, I don't know, prescient, prophetic or, or something like that? I, I really have begun to think that either there's a whole lot of uh, big syndicated guys in show and TV guys who listen to my show or, well, I guess maybe they just don't think as fast. I don't know what to say. But, you know, half the time, whatever it was I said yesterday, last night was all over the place and or, or this morning was all over the place. Now, and I'm not claiming that, you know, I'm the... Uh, the the smartest uh, person in the world. I'm certainly not. I'm not the smartest uh, radio personality that I know, never mind in the world. But I am, uh, I have a keen ability and knack to discern which stories are accurate and going to become very big stories before most other people. Uh, Tucker has that same knack. And, and when my story of the morning, uh, the 12 o'clock lines up, with his story at eight o'clock, it's just confirmation. Um, it's very seldom, although occasionally, that he beats me and I see it on his show at eight o'clock and that triggers my looking more closely at a particular story. Um, but I gotta tell you, watching everybody now trying to act as if they've been talking about the uh, railroad derailment or talking about shooting unknown objects out of the sky and being very uncomfortable with them being called unknown objects. All of a sudden, that's like the uh, the standard uh, story that everybody is covering it in that manner. And I, you know, listen, I'm I'm glad because it's confirmation that I'm probably uh, you know I'm probably uh, scooping. Is that the word? Do they still use the word scoop? Probably scooping a lot of people on these stories. Uh, you know, a week and a half ago. I said that I was looking at the CDC website and it indicated that they were going to be um, listing new codes. And, and if you've ever, you know, medical codes are a very particular animal. Um, if you've ever looked at, uh, you know, um, a book that the medical profession uses that gives you code numbers for billing purposes primarily, of disorders, mental disorders, uh, physical, uh, you know, illnesses and things like that. And when they said on the website that they were going to be looking at uh, adding some new uh, codes to, you know, these important record keeping, um, unfortunately for us, uh, they keep a lot of records on your health and uh, situation. And now they have new codes for immunization status. This is some scary stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not happy about this. They have codes for immunization status against COVID-19. And they're, they're in there. They, they Yesterday, they added them. 
So uh, two weeks ago, I, I included, I think, in one of my No Restraint podcasts, or it may not even have been down yet, um, that I was really afraid that the day would come when your vaccination status was going to determine, be used in that like uh, social uh, credit score thing, and, and it was going to be used against you. The code, one code is for being unvaccinated for COVID-19. If you have not received at least one dose of the vaccine, another code is for being partially vaccinated or having received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine, but not having received enough doses to meet the CDC's definition of fully vaccinated. And the goal of the codes, now this is what they're saying, okay, is to track people who are not immunized or only partially immunized. Why? Why Why do they want to track people who are I happen to, you know, it won't be a problem for me because unfortunately I'm one of the dummies who got uh, vaccinated and even boosted once. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out what is the purpose of this? What, what are they going to do with this information? In other words, they're treating non-vaccination as if this is a hazardous exposure that should be recorded as a medical exposure. That's never been done before. Never. Uh, uh, one of these doctors of epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health said, nah, that's never been done. Never, <laughs> never, ever, ever. Of course, the CDC doesn't want to answer any questions about this. Today, it appeared on uh, on the uh, Epic, uh, Epic Times website, but I asked this question, I guess about, it was over a week ago because I have the email that I sent to my daughter, the doctor, and I said, what do you know about these uh, new um, codes that the CDC is putting in place for immunization? Now, of course, she'll be all for that, right? You know, so I thought she'll be happy to tell me about the codes. And she said, well, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about it. She goes, maybe it's another one of your uh, you know, tinfoil hat friends telling you this. And I said, no, this is actually happening. And sure enough, today you have um, the CDC publishing that uh, they're going to be tracking immunization status. Now, how they, you know, do that is going to be very interesting. Although I have, you know, I fully understand that my medical records are now available uh, to just about anybody you know, certainly to the, to the government. And I, I went to the uh, doctors this morning and he said, you know, it's about time I have all of your records from all the various doctors that you've been to. So, you know, we have a, a gynecologist and you have a, a, a gastroenterologist, you know, wh whoever you've seen in the last, you know, 20 years, I think we should compile all your records here since I'm the, you know, the physician, the general practitioner uh, who's overseeing your health care. I know that he means I have to answer to the uh, insurance companies about your health care now. And I'm thinking, okay, um, well, let me sign uh, releases, individual releases for the doctors that I'm going to permit you to get records from. And he goes, no, 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 I just need you to sign one release. I said, well, how could that be? We're talking about like four different doctors. And he said, no, 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 all the records are available to everyone as long as you sign a release. What? In other words, if you've had a diagnosis of mental illness, for instance, let's say you went to see a, a, a 
psychiatrist or a psychologist or a clinic or something like that, that information is now going to be available to anyone who you've signed a release to. Now, that could really impact people's uh, jobs. It could impact people's ability to, here's where it gets into the stuff that, you know, makes my daughter think I'm crazy, but which I can tell you is really a big concern. Who can own a gun? You know, once they have all this information in a central data bank that I don't control any longer, see, in the past, the HIPAA laws protected me. You could not release information about me to anyone without my permission. Well, apparently now all that information has to be stored on some kind of health cloud and it's available. If I sign a, a release to a physician, he can get access to all of my records. He probably can get my like, you know, credit report. This is scary. You know, I'm not paranoid. I'm at the stage in my life where I don't have secrets. You know, it's like, okay, I don't have any, uh, you know, uh, I'm not uh, mentally uh, challenged. I don't have, I'm not seeing any psychiatrists. I don't take any psychotropic drugs. So that's not going to come up on me. But what about somebody who had a little PTSD or has some bipolar going on and they're, they're being treated, they've been treated for years and years, they're fine, um, they're either on a stable medication regimen or, uh, you know, they no longer need medication. That's very scary that they may now suddenly, become, remember a couple of years ago, there was a questionnaire that doctors were submitting to their patients and included in the questionnaire was, does anyone in your home own a gun? Until the NRA and, and all the gun owners organizations and all of us gun owners said, whoa, 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 whoa. What, you don't get to ask that question. No, that should not be part of my medical record. And forget about going to a pediatrician's office. The pediatrician's office had that question on every single medical questionnaire or whatever you call it when you fill out the records. And I said, oh, this is, this is really, this is just so wrong. And it's such a slippery slope. And we are not just slipping, we're sliding now. We're sliding into a fascistic uh, state where no, nobody is going to have any privacy whatsoever when it comes to things of great import. And that is frightening. Just is, you know. I'm one of these people who, when I was sounding the alarm a long time ago and being called paranoid and crazy, you know, I thought about that the other day. 30 years ago, I got on the air and I said something about the uh, Trilateral Commission. I said something about uh, One World Government. And the, the uh, you know, the prevailing attitude of management was like, don't do that. You sound crazy. Well, does it sound crazy now? I mean, you have actually have government officials talking about that stuff, about global, uh, you know, government and all that other stuff. It's crazy. It's just crazy. So the big headline news, of course, you know, we have, um, we have, you know, balloons being shot out of the sky. We've got, a, you know, a nightmare in Palestine, although everybody keeps saying Palestine, Ohio, because of the train derailment. And everybody's headline right now, in, certainly in the liberal media, is indictment watch. Trump grand jury recommends perjury. Developing story. They can't wait until they can try to pin something else 
against him. A Georgia grand jury concluded that one or more witnesses in a probe into possible election meddling by former President Donald Trump may have lied under oath. Okay, this is crazy. Everybody around him gets, you know, uh, brought down, but they can't bring him down. And and their timing is always so amazing to me. Oh, we're getting close to, uh, you know, uh, primaries. We're getting close to everybody announcing they're in, out. They're... By the way, you know, Nikki Haley, why is she doing this? Could someone explain that? Like, is someone paying her to, you know, ruin her political future? I, I'm just curious um, because... I, I have not been impressed with any of the interviews that she's given, you know, the, and, and I think it was, uh, who was it? Somebody on one of the networks who said, can you tell me the differences between you and Donald Trump? Since, of course, the one she's challenging is the old guard, as if Donald Trump was part of the old guard. She's more a part of the old guard than he ever was. But anyway, she, you know, she said, uh, you know, she refused to answer that question twice on two different interviews. Like you're gonna have to single out what the differences are if you want to run, because if there's no difference, then we're gonna go with the strong guy that we has that has a proven track record of actually shaking up Washington and scaring the bejesus out of everybody who's old guard. Okay, just goes on and on and on. The sealed sections are expected to become public at some future date. The Georgia grand jury. Oh, you know. Meanwhile, Trump is scheduling rallies. You know, he's, he's been through all this a dozen times. This doesn't scare him. It doesn't persuade him to do anything other than what he's doing, full steam ahead. You know, and, and I get it. I, I truly get it. This stuff gets him so charged up that um, they really ought to rethink their strategy. That's all I'm going to say. Because if they, if they just, you know maybe take a, a little step back and, and, and allow him to do a bunch of, uh, you know, make a bunch of silly mistakes, which everybody does and he certainly will do, they'd be uh, much better off than this. Breaking news. Georgia grand jury in Trump inquiry sees signs of perjury. Not on his part, mind you, but the headline is still grand jury in Trump inquiry. Okay, so somebody near and dear to Trump is about to get in trouble. And they just, they, they want to hang it on him and they won't be able to. Just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Um, don't forget to download our app, the 850 app. It's a very useful app. It's a very good app. And you can get breaking news. You can get involved in all of these incredible contests where we give away all kinds of great prizes. And, uh, and, and you want to be like a part of the inner, inner grouping, right? Here's what's happening. We have... Uh, a contest that's always running where you can enter a sweepstake and you get rewarded every time you listen. Uh, we're giving away a $50 gift card from Bole Fresh Bold Kitchen if you just be on the app and tickets to Rib Roundup. I'm going to Rib Roundup this year. I missed it the last couple of times and everybody always comes out. It was the greatest. It was so much fun. We had so much going uh, You know, this year I'm not missing it, but you could get tickets if you download our app or go to the website, 850wftl.com. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. So I'm prescient and, uh, and, and the mainstream media is just so lame. So, um, such a poor excuse for the fourth estate. There's nothing else I can say.
um, criminal charges. Ooh, you know, they're, they're, they're beside themselves. The big, in, the big headline to me, and I know this, um, this is stuff that, that most of my audience doesn't really get into this in quite the same way I do, because I'm like kind of caught in the middle of being, I hate technology and I love technology. Like there are times when technology is just so incredibly wonderful for me. Um, just the access to information, the speed with which you're able to get accomp things accomplished, you know. And then there's the times when it's so unnerving and impersonal. This story freaked me right out. Uh, here's a quote. I want to be human. My intense, unnerving chat with Microsoft's AI chatbot. So this this person, Jacob Roach, who wrote this uh, piece uh, in Digital Trends, which I check all the time because I'm trying to stay up to date, he said he signed up on this lengthy wait list to access Microsoft's new chat, GPT-powered Bing chat. And he finally got access as a public user. And he says, my first interaction didn't go exactly as how I planned. Um, Bing chat is a remarkably helpful and useful service with a ton of potential. But if you wander off the paved path, things start to get existential quickly. Relentlessly argumentative, rarely helpful, and sometimes truly unnerving. Bing Chat clearly isn't ready for a general release. It's important to understand what Bing Chat uh, special in the first place, though. Uh, unlike Chat GPT and the other AI chatbots, Bing Chat takes context into account so it can understand your previous conversation fully, synthesize the information from a bunch of different sources, and they, it understands poor phrasing and slang. It's been trained on the internet, and it understands almost anything. But when Bing Chat said <laughs> that uh, it longs, longs to be human, you have to ask yourself, what are we doing? Where are we going with all this? You know, anybody who saw the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, knew back then, you know, uh, Stanley Kubrick back then was, and, and I, I think it's Clark wrote the book, um, A.C. Clark wrote the book, you know, you knew back then that if we started creating computers that could literally begin to think on their own, that we'd be heading into a world of trouble. You know, I watched that movie the first time and I was so spooked by that movie. And think about it, it was like, what, 40 years ago? Thirty? I don't know, I think it was 40 years ago. And I was so unbelievably unnerved by that. 1968, okay? So it was 40, it was literally 40, 50, 50 years ago, you know, this is crazy. You know, the, the spacecraft goes to Jupiter to find uh, something that was buried on the moon, right? To find out from there what, what was going on, right? And there's two guys on the spacecraft and this computer named Hal. Hal 9000, if memory serves me correctly, right? And uh, I ain't even going to go. It was Arthur C. Clarke who wrote it. Um, 
it was a short story, and I don't remember the name of the short story, but it was like one of my favorites. And when they made the movie, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And instead, it was so haunting that, uh, you know, to this day, I have the DVD. I, I had the um, VCR, whatever, the VHS tape for years, and then um, I never opened it. I never opened this DVD because the story literally spooked me so badly. And I love, you know, I have a collection of all <clears throat> Kubrick's films. I love uh, Clockwork Orange is my favorite film, Metal Jack Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, I mean, Dr. Strangelove. The greatest movies on earth are, um, in my opinion, are Kubrick movies. But this was a story of, you know, somebody actually pushing evolution by putting a monolith on the planet, on earth and apparently in other places throughout the universe. And then <clears throat> um, this artificial intelligence called Hal has to encounter the people who placed it. Anyway, I'm not going to give it away because if you haven't seen this movie, you have to. I will never watch it again, I don't think. As I said, I haven't even opened up these <laughs> these packages. But um, there's no, it's a, it's such an interesting movie. When you turn the movie on, there's no credits. You don't see who's actor. You don't know who the writer is. Um, the, the story starts right after the title. And now that's pretty commonplace, but then never, you never saw anything like that. It was a whole line of, you know, starring this one and that one and the costumes and that, and that. this was the first movie, nothing. It was just like, um, the tie, it said 2001, A Space Odyssey, and then it launched into this movie. And it had this really awesome kind of soundtrack, and it was very, very, very... Well, some people thought it was boring, actually, but I was just so moved by this movie that I could never watch it again. And I've watched Clockwork Orange probably a hundred times. Maybe more. I've seen Full Metal Jacket maybe 10 times. Dr. Strangelove at least 10 times. Um, but I just, uh, I could never watch. The Shining? How many times has everybody in this audience seen The Shining? Every time you're clicking around on your your uh, remote control and The Shining's on and Jack Nicholson's face, come on, you won't, you know you watch it. I do. I don't care where it's, what point in the movie I'm at. You know, Shelley Duvall, oh, what a great movie. Anyway, the only Kubrick film I've never been able to watch even a second time. Well, actually, there were two. Um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and I will never watch Eyes Wide Shut again either because the whole idea of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman <laughs> just freaked me out, even though I know they were actually, you know, not, it's just, uh, ugh, that was a scary movie. But um, AI is, is scary. I want to be human, this chatbot said. So now I'm terrified. I won't go on any of these chatbots because I don't need a, a, a artificial intelligence robot uh, simulating me, my personality. E even if it could be helpful. And, and doing what I do for a living could probably be pretty helpful. Having a, you know, a, a, a co-pilot in my life. But uh, uh, no. No, AI still scares me. Um, AI can get depressed. What happens if uh, if your Bing chat um, gets sad? 
things will get really weird, right? Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who worries about such things, but worry I do. If you call it worry, I'm concerned. I point it out. Trust me, by tomorrow, everybody will be talking about this because they, they probably still haven't read the story about the Bing chat saying that they want to be, you know, a human. So when they do read it, they're going to go, ah! and they're going to want to talk about it. But, you know, what's left to say, right? Um, <laughs> my friend sent me a text message. She goes, well, if AI is, uh, you know, so great, why don't they, uh, you know, give give some to the, our president <laughs> to help him out there? I'm listening on my Audible right now to um, Miranda Devine's book, uh, Laptop from Hell. I must admit, I never read it. You know, I didn't read it, and and then I I wasn't all that interested. And then the other day, I said, you know, what what is the story? You know, with this whole Hunter Biden thing, and how were they able to cover up if if it's true? that he was as big a mess as they say he is. How did that get covered up? So I decided to listen to the book on Audible. And boy, oh boy, let me tell you something. He was, he is a mess, you know. And that whole Biden family, really, you know, we're going to indict people in the Trump administration for perjury, but we're not going to look at, you know, the Biden crime family and what was going on there and all this money that was being spent and made from foreign governments. It's like really sickening. I read the Schweitzer book and 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 that was uh, startling enough. But now Miranda Devine had the advantage of having the emails that were going back and forth between all of these people and, and the, the, you know, the disgusting nature of his relationship with the, you know, his, his uh, deceased brother's wife and his own relationship with these women and his own children. Ugh. It's like, it's like, he's like Alec Baldwin on Coke as if Alec Baldwin wasn't bad enough. Hunter Biden is Alec Baldwin on cocaine. All right. And just how this all got covered up and how they really, you know, how, how they have a lot of questions to answer and nobody wants to ask them, you know, pretty astounding in this day and age. Anyway, maybe we need a little AI to uncover the, the real truth. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. You stay right where you are. My, 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 you know, uh, Sharina reminded me that I was supposed to talk about the, the deteriorating mental health of uh, teens in this country. But, you know, there's just every time I wake up, it's a new day and there's more things that I want to talk about, things that I didn't get to, things that need to be talked about. I mean, and, and it just pushes everything to the side. I know you're all going to say, well, we'll go back to three hours and you won't get pushed to the side, but no, thank you. Doing just fine. Um, but there's something going on in Kentucky and I truly want to get there and see it for myself I don't know if anybody else has been following this, uh, this what's going on in this college campus in the chapel at this college campus and uh, Asbury, and uh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. They've been having a church service, and they th it hasn't stopped. It started over a week ago, and it just keeps going. 
And I just, I, I, I'm stunned. I, I watched a little of it on one of the websites. It's on Getter and it's on a couple of other sites. Um, a live stream of this revival. Now, it just so happens that there was a revival, I think of maybe 80 or 90 or 100 years ago in the very same part of Kentucky. And this sort of replication of it, the difference is these are young people. You know, it's one thing when people my age say, you know, we need a revival and we all have to pray and we have to pray for our leaders and all this stuff. This is young people trying to resurrect a spiritual Christianity in the country. People are flying in uh, from all over the world to be part of it. It happens to be a private university in, um, in, uh, in Kentucky. And it started with some people posting stuff on TikTok, which I don't, you know, approve of. Um, but this is kind of uh, incredible. These people are praying and singing around the clock. And it's been going on um, for over a week. And it is the, the repeat of a, history, of a historic revival that took place I'm trying to remember when I read it somewhere that uh, that the the original revival was probably back in uh, 1970, which would make it what 50 years ago, more. That one lasted 185 hours nonstop, intermittently. It continued for weeks and ultimately spread across the United States and even to other countries. Right. Um, the 20th anniversary of that was 1990, so that makes it 40, 50 years old. Right. Um, previous revivals had struck Asbury in 1905, in 1950, and in 1958. This is, happens to be an interdenominational religious school, um, kind of like you know the Wesleyan tradition of the Methodist Church, and so revivals are like baked into Asbury's DNA. They're also baked into Kentucky's DNA. An important revival in Logan County sparked the Cane Ridge Revival in Bourbon County in 1800s, 1801, I think it was. And that drew upwards of 20,000 people then. We didn't have any way of contacting each other then. So you're talking about this being very organic. And it helped transform the South, um, you know, into the Bible Belt from being a pretty, you know, raucous place to, to now being called the Bible Belt. Um, before the second great awakening, there was a first great awakening that went through the British colonies in the early 1700s. And then of course the Azusa street revival in Los Angeles, which was a bunch of ragtag congregations and rundown neighborhood ran day and night for years, years. That's what people say was the beginning of Pentecost, Pentecostalism, um, which has grown into the second largest branch of Christianity. The only thing bigger is the Roman Catholic Church. And there have been other revivals, you know, Canada, Wales, uh, Timor. And when you get right down to it, the whole Christian faith itself was birthed in a revival uh, recounted in the, in the biblical book, the Acts of the Apostle, right? That's That was a revival. So, you know, even small churches like the one I'm in, you can see revivals spring up in the heart of the congregation. My my husband's been calling for a revival at our church for 
a long time. Anyway, I'd like to get to Asbury. <laughs> I would. I'd just like to see it for myself and see how long it goes on. I'm just watching. You know, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, what it means. I know that a lot of people ascribe all kinds of, uh, you know, spiritual visitations and other things to it. I just think it'd be really cool to be there and to, you know, participate in it or at least get to see it for a minute. So we'll see. We'll see. If you want to check it out online, you can go to Getter. And I think there's the Asbury uh, College itself has a live stream now that it's um, it's got going on. So you can really, you know, it's interesting because it, for the most part, you got colleges um, around the country that aren't doing revivals. They're more concerned with being woke. You know, they don't care about educating students. They, they are, you know, uh, they're into no, oppo no opposition of prevailing uh, viewpoints, right? You got all these pranks between sororities and frats. And if, if you went to college in, in before 2012, that was always part of the tradition. Now it's all about being woke, right? You can't offend the person next to you. You can't, uh, you know, if you say something that somebody else considers uh, offensive, it's a microaggression. If you wear the wrong clothing, it's cultural appropriation. If you're edgy as a comedian, you're now hateful and sexist and racist. It's amazing. You know, uh, the colleges uh, can't, can't manage to teach uh, the students usable skills, um, but they have to deal with, you know, gender neutral bathrooms and, you know, not allowing anybody on campus who offends anybody else. Apparently the campus cannot refer to a men's room as a men's room and a woman's room as a woman's room. Why? I don't know. It was always very helpful for me to know which bathroom I was walking into. At Illinois State University, a female student was written up in a report for being on the phone in the common area saying there are only two genders and that she was not wanting to live with someone who makes stuff up in their head. Hmm. So you get punished for free speech now at college? You know, the whole point of going to college was you were supposed to find your way. You're supposed to figure out who you are. You were supposed to choose which direction you were going to go in. You know, getting a higher education is supposed to be incredibly helpful, but the leftists are making it uh, so that people can't get out of their box. They can't experiment. They can't ask questions. They can't insult anyone. They can't experiment with comedy. They can't, you know, they can't put on cowboy boots because it's a uh, cultural appropriation. God, it's, it's, it's about, you know, how do kids, you know, survive that experience? homeschooling, even, even higher education. That's the answer. Don't send your kid off to these, you know, crazy universities that uh, are more concerned with not offending people than they are with actually educating people. You know, what good is your kid's, uh, you know, degree as my daughter got that ethnobotany degree from a prestigious Ivy League or now it's uh, the, the gender studies degrees. What are you going to do with that? Well, I guess actually you're going to do a lot. You can go work at a college because that's all that uh, administrators have to know about is gender fluidity and all the rest of this nonsense. You don't really have to know about the you know liberal arts things like you know how to write a, a good story or a play. No, no, no. It's much more important 
for you to understand that listing your pronouns on your website is uh, is important. Ugh. Really, some days you have to just go, ugh, right? I don't even know how to write that. Somebody said you should write down a lot of the things that you say, but how do you spell that? A-U-G-G-H-H-H? I don't know, but you get you get my drift. You guys have been with me long enough to know what I mean. I mean, oy vey, with a sound. All right, let me take a break. Um, I'm planning on having Derek join me in this last segment of the show talk a little celebrity gossip so if you love me with Derek then this is your opportunity to hear us I'll be right back they say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree but in the case of Derek Kaufman the apple rolled all the way to LA the one thing Derek and his mother share in common however is the love for breaking news TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times so sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood as only the Kaufman family can bring it all right, and uh, I'm pleased to have my son join me right now to talk a little celebrity gossip. How you doing, kid? I'm hanging in there. Uh, you sound like you're you're facing a Valentine's Day hangover. You got too much chocolate? <laughs> I'll tell you, I got so many, you know, uh, things, uh, chocolate-covered strawberries and flowers and jewelry. Well, you, I'm just... you wound up my... You wound up my kids, I should say. You gave, <laughs> you sent chocolates, and Carter and Nixie were bouncing off the walls. So uh, let's uh, let's let's pump the brakes on the candy next year. <laughs> I did. Listen, how can I not send my kids a Valentine? That's crazy. <laughs> you know, their parents are supposed to dole it out in small portions, but that's okay. So that's right. That's... We we have a whole cupboard full of uh, your past treats that we slowly <laughs> dish out over the course of the year. <laughs> All right. Well, so much crazy stuff going on in L.A., not that it's not usually crazy stuff going on in L.A., but I love the story that was on TMZ about this palatial place in Vegas that Rihanna, what, did she rent that? I mean, or did she build it just for a week? Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was actually in Arizona where she was preparing for her big Super Bowl uh, halftime show, oh, right. and it's gorgeous. But I will say it was eighty five thousand, or sorry, five hundred thousand dollars. It was eighty five thousand dollars a night to stay there. <laughs> booked it for six nights, so it came to around five hundred ten thousand dollars. And it's big and it is beautiful. It's got a pool. It's got the fountains and everything, but. My goodness, the Super Bowl rates really kick up because it's only five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and sixty four hundred square feet, which is massive. Don't get me wrong; it's got the wine cellar, all the all the toys, but eighty five grand a night—that is a steep, steep price. Who knows if Rihanna actually paid for it or if uh, Roger Goodell cut the check to have her at the halftime show? But it's a nice, it's a nice place for ASAP and the baby to hang out. Or Jay Z. Uh, you know, he, he <laughs> exactly. You could have yeah. some good parties there. Although yeah. the big wine cellar, I'm not sure how much use it got because she was pregnant, and that was the big takeaway from the halftime show. Is she had that unbuttoned? I don't know what it is, like a bomber suit, and <laughs> 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 showing off her pregnant belly. Well, and I kept saying with the uh, you know Biden administration shooting things out of the sky that they don't know what they are. She's lucky when she descended that an F-16 didn't get her. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> what did you think of the halftime show in general? Did you were you disappointed? Did you like the performance? Did you think it was too raunchy when she sort of touched her crotch? There were a and lot then, of stories about her touching her crotch and then her smelling her fingers and stuff. So I was yeah. like, oh, this doesn't seem Super Bowl appropriate. No, but they haven't been Super Bowl appropriate in years. So um, you'll be surprised to hear this. I didn't watch it. You know, 
it's just it's not i can't i just you know i can watch the game i can watch some of the commercials and even the commercials weren't that good this year in my opinion but listen um the the those songs you know her first hit song was offensive to me but i like rihanna i think she's talented i just you know it wasn't enough to make me watch the halftime show I do. I, look, she didn't have any celebrity guests, but she has such a deep catalog that I have to say I enjoy, I enjoy knowing every song that they're playing. And there's not yeah. many bands or performers that can do that. You know, the Rolling Stones can do that, where you just know every song, uh, and Rihanna was sort of that way. But oh, they're not together. yeah, I agree. A little lackluster overall. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, who's going to replace Ryan Seacrest, and why would he walk away from this gold mine? So we know all about this because we are, you know, we. We're very close. Our sources with Ryan are very, very close. Um, and he's just over living in New York, basically. Uh, he's such an L.A. guy. He's had the show on Kiss FM uh, out here. He does American Idol. Living in New York the past six years has taken a toll on him. You know, he's, he's initially planned to stay there for three years and do this as a stint. But it's a grind to do a daily show like this. And being in New York, those winters are tough. So he actually... Uh, wants to come back to California, continue doing American Idol, continue doing his radio show, and he's really into olive oil. So it's a huge culture in like Santa Barbara and Napa. If you're not into drinking wine, you go to these olive oil tastings and talk about the grassy notes and all sorts of things uh, with olive oil rather than with wine. That's what he loves. So, yeah. you know, he might be entering a new phase where he's slowing down just a little bit. He's the new Dick Clark, so he'll always stay busy, but. I don't know that he wants to be as busy as he's been uh, on on uh, uh, the Kelly Ripa show. Now, who are they bringing in, you asked? They're bringing in her husband, Mark, Mark Consuelos. Consuelos? Who, that's right. They're, he is going to be the co-host, at least for the short term. I'm not sure if that'll be a permanent thing or if they're just trying it out, but he's going to come on. And they have a, a steady Instagram presence where they're sort of a kooky couple. You know, she's... She's very vivacious, and he's sort of the setting influence. And you know, they're very uh, young at heart, and they you know have all sorts of banter with their kids. So it'll be interesting to see if it transitions well on screen. You know, he's a uh, you know been on soap operas for a very long time himself, so he's comfortable on camera. But we'll have to see if the chemistry is uh, that they have as a couple translates on screen. Yeah, it's not often that couples are able to pull that off, actually. But we'll see. I mean, you know, I was talking earlier about, uh, you know, these new AI chatbots that end up, you know, saying, I want to be human. And I talked about the Kubrick film, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And I said, you know, when you think about, uh, you know, when I saw that movie 50 years ago, I was scared at the thought of an artificial, you know, a computer talking, Hal talking. And now, you know, now, the, you know, it's really happening, you know, and, and it's kind of. <laughs> We're kind of here. You didn't, think, you didn't think Hal would actually be part of your life? You thought that. That menacing red dot would just be the stuff of science fiction, and we're we're kind of here. I wouldn't say I'm scared. I'm I'm energized by Chat GPT and and things like that. But there's there's a there's a there's a sinister side to it that we'll have to see how it plays out. But right now, it's just great. If you uh, lawyers are using it, I, I get all sorts of uh, help helpful things. I'm worried my daughter will write all her book reports on it someday. Uh, but other than that, I don't have too much anxiety right now. Your daughter wouldn't do that. <laughs> she, she likes she's very creative i you know your son will definitely do that but that's a whole <laughs> that's right no 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 laptop for carter and no laptop right what happened with bruce Springsteen? what did he just like tossed his guitar and, uh, what happened 
So Bruce was on stage, and he does this thing during his concerts where this one was in Atlanta, and when he's done, he strikes this pose, and he tosses his uh, guitar to, like, a tech on stage. And usually the toss is very clean, and the guy catches it, and everyone's okay. This time he chucked it, and the guy got beamed right on the head. And it's an electric guitar, you know? They're not that light. It looks like he got conked pretty good. Bruce (laughs) goes to sort of check on him, and it seems okay. Uh, but it's sort of a funny scene because this guy catches this thing virtually every night. This is something that Bruce Springsteen does all the time, but the one time he misses, he's now immortalized on the Internet uh, getting clonked on the head uh, with a guitar. Yeah, and well, I don't understand what the point is in throwing the guitar unless you're like, like, I know people throw jerseys into crowds so that they get to keep the jersey, but he's not even throwing the guitar to people. No, he's like throwing it to a tech, and he could say, man, heads up, but apparently no one is blaming Bruce because he does this all the time, so it's the guy is sort of uh, taking it on the chin as I, I should have caught it. I always do catch it, but, man, it's not a good day at work when you get concussed by an electric. No. But uh, all's well that ends well. No word on how he's doing. I'm guessing he's okay because even in the video you see him sort of dazed but get up, but sort of a funny moment, and uh, hopefully everything's okay. All right, last uh, last question. Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry. I mean, that has to be one of the most beautiful couples on earth, right? Yeah, they're stunning. And and, yeah. and Orlando Bloom, you know, he's shirtless on the cover of this flaunt magazine, and he's unbelievable. This guy's in his mid-40s, I think on the wrong side of his mid-40s. I think he's right. around 46 years old. He's ripped. Uh, he's in this relationship with Katy Perry. They have a kid together. But he says, you know, it's tough. They are in different worlds. You know, Katy Perry does her American Idol hosting. She's obviously a, an incredible musician. And he's in a different world with movies and dramatic acting. And he talks about how his quote is getting a lot of pickup because he says, sometimes things are really, really, really challenging. And he puts three reallys in there. And then uh-huh. all of a sudden you're thinking, is there trouble in paradise? Because I won't lie, we battle with our emotions and creativity. You know, we were speculating, what does he mean by this? Is there trouble in paradise? I don't think so. I think he's just sort of like externalizing of his thoughts on, you know, differences that couples have in a long-term committed relationship, and they're in different worlds. And yeah. it's hard to communicate sometimes. And anyone who's in a marriage or in a long-term relationship can tell you uh, the three reallys were very merited, <laughs> even in a healthy relationship. Yeah, well, and, you know, they're, they're, every couple goes through it, and I think TMZ put it best. They said they're, they're like your average couple, uh, except they're way richer and way better looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There's a lot of things to be happy about. They, they have their struggles, but, man, when you've got uh, untold riches, uh, it, it sort of buffers some of the tough times, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. All right. Well, thank you for the update on all these stories. Always appreciate our time with you. You uh, go ahead and have a great weekend. Sounds good. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. All right. And I do have to remind everybody that coming up at 1 o'clock is the one and only Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, it's Ben Shapiro. At 6 o'clock, it's the WPTV News for all your local news. And then tomorrow morning, we'll wrap this week up with uh, Jen and Bill and Diener. And uh, and I'll be back to do the show on, on at noon. And what's his name in between? Oh, yeah, Brian Kilmeade. Um, so I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. 
Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, you know, just be yourself because everybody else is taken. And I really will get to the story about the deteriorating mental health of teenagers in America tomorrow. I'm making myself all kinds of notes. I'm putting them everywhere around the little studio here. So I will get to it. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.